Mask mandates mean nothing to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A podcast that makes mincemeat out of Medicare, my man. He almost beat the sun in a staring contest. Almost. It's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello again, everybody. It's so great to have you joining us today at the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to Drew McMillan, my Canadian nephew, who has a lovely bride and a lovely daughter. And uh, we're going to be seeing them in California over Thanksgiving. So I'm pretty excited about that. All the McMillans are coming down from Canada to enjoy the all the freedoms and uh, prosperity that California has to offer and uh we will be enjoying them wandering at marveling at the uh the homeless bums in tents along the the freeways and and the uh mask wearing uh, people that have to go someplace and they get yelled at if they don't wear a mask and even you know two and a half years after the panic first set in so i can't wait for my canadian relatives my sister married into a family of canadians and was prolific she has three kids and so there will be a bunch of canadian mcmillans joining us in california in laguna niguel for Thanksgiving. Anyway, we are here to help people feel good about Medicare turning 65 or maybe turning uh, an older age, but retiring from a long held job, leaving your employer's group medical plan and, and going out on your own and enrolling in Medicare. But as most people know, Medicare is full of holes, gaps, and uh, uh, cost sharing that could reach deeply into your pocket if you didn't have some protection against it. And that's what I do. I help people acquire the knowledge that uh, allows them to pick out excellent, inexpensive Medicare protection so that if they have medical problems that require expensive treatment, then they're going to be well cared for financially. Uh, The um, knowledge that I draw from is all codified in the book, Medicare for the Lazy Man. The 2022 edition is up on Amazon.com. There are four different editions. There's a hardcover that you can use for a present for a friend who might be approaching Medicare age. There's a uh, paperback, a soft cover, that's really reasonably priced compared to most books on Amazon. And then we've got an audible version wherein I can read that book to you. You don't even have to do any work of turning pages or moving your eyeballs from side to side. And finally, we have a Kindle or ebook version. If you've got a, a reading device, and Amazon can provide a book format to your device that you can read it on, then that's going to be the least expensive way to gather the knowledge that I have put together in Medicare for the Lazy Man 2022. So help yourself. Just go to Amazon and help yourself. But if you find the book is useful, and if you're happy with your purchase after having read it, which won't take you very long, I have to say, then I would, if I were you, leave a very, very short written review. Doesn't have to be long. Doesn't have to be uh, your whole life story. Just uh, telling other readers so that they'll know whether or not 
it's a good idea to buy my book because I think for most people, it's going to be considered to be a good idea. Anyway, I also love once in a while to hear our 30-second radio spot, and I'm going to ask Randy to do that again just as soon as I clam up. So, Randy? Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Yeah, there we go. Thank you very much, Randy. I appreciate it. You're wearing a the brightest yellowest shirt I've ever seen in the whole of my existence. Uh, can you explain your wardrobe choice this morning, Randy? I put this on because I knew that it would keep me awake. <laughs> well, yeah, so far, so good. I'm I'm glad to see you haven't been uh, over there as you often do when I mention the term Medicare. Your eyelids get to be heavy, and and uh, you don't. Uh, you're not as perky. Uh, well, you think I'm asleep. I'm really not asleep. I'm uh, like I used to say. I'm checking for cracks in my eyelids. Ah, okay. It, it's well. a it's a dangerous thing to have cracks in your eyelids. It's important to check frequently. I guess. Yes. Yes. Well, you you yes. used to have those glasses with the eyeballs, the bloodshot eyeballs drawn on yeah. each lens, and uh, yeah. I haven't seen those in a while. So I was thinking to myself, well, Randy's more interested in Medicare than he used to be, but <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Well. You will never guess what I looked up today. What is every, that, once, every once in a while, I like to play stump the insurance expert. Ouch. That's never as much fun as it sounds like it's going to be. It's it's never fun for Doug, but this was this is so interesting. I, I just couldn't resist today. So we're gonna have we just have one one minor little question. And Doug may have it, I doubt it. Truthfully, I, but he, I really do. Have, so. <laughs> he may have a chance. If I give you enough hints, you may be able to uh, hone in on this one. But it's a today in history sort of a question. So already what ha what happened today, Doug, this day, September 27th in 1869. It was it was a bit before your time, but you, you may know this. Happened in Kansas in 1869, mm. and it had and it had to do. And I'll even give you the the you know the guy that was involved, Sheriff Wild Bill Hickok. So what happened today? Oh boy! Well, it um, is this the day? Was it Wild Bill Hickok that was seated at the card table, but instead of having his uh, facing the door like he normally would? Was he facing away from the door? And uh, Curly Bill Brocious, no, not Curly, he was in Tombstone. Somebody came up behind him and, and uh, put a bullet in his brain. Is that what happened? No, that was nope. a different guy. That was a different guy. This happened in John Bitter's Beer Saloon in Hayes City, Kansas. Okay. Uh, bottom line is they decided in Hayes City that they really liked Wild Bill's, uh, you know, way of enforcing the law. But ultimately, over the concept 
you know, basically over the concept of how tough he really was, they decided that he was too tough, too tough, too wild for Kansas. Okay. And the reason, and the reason they decided that was that during his first, oh, let me see, two, oh, five weeks. During his first five weeks as sheriff in Hayes City, he had already found it necessary to kill two men in the interest of preserving the peace. Well, did that make the rest of the troublemakers uh, maybe start to behave themselves? Is there is there a possibility that his methods were effective? Well, you would thought you would have thought you know if somebody says, "Hey, you know he's." shot two guys already in five weeks i, I yeah. think we better behave ourselves <laughs> so so in 1869 september 27th 1869 in in that building whatever you mentioned in hayes city uh i don't think he was shot was he i don't think he was assassinated no was they he? no they decided he was too tough for them so ultimately i think he lost his office after uh well, back then, he wasn't voted into office. I think that the county or the town actually just hired a sheriff. Yeah, I, sure, I think, sure. I think they decided that Wild Bill was a little bit too tough for him. How did uh, Wild so, Bill take that news? Well, I wouldn't have wanted to. Hey, Wild Bill, why don't you stop into HR tomorrow? Uh, we've got some things to talk to you about. Um, now here's the inside. Here's the interesting story. The reason I brought up this story with Wild Bill Hickok, it was it's a story in my family back in the day when Wild Bill Hickok was just a tiny little Wild Bill Hickok. Okay, that one of my female relatives way back in the day took care of Wild Bill Hickok. I don't know how long, whether it was just a, you know, a one day or several days or a week and a half or what, what it was. But it is told in my family that one of my female relatives way back in the day actually changed Wild Bill Hickok's diapers. Really? I didn't know they had diapers back then. I thought babies just walked around wee-weeing and pooping wherever they felt like it. Well, I don't, I don't think there was any, you know, like pampers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> But anyway, that that was a story. Now, who knows? Who knows? But I, bottom line is, I do know that where my where this where this uh, story came from, Wild Bill actually, if you look up, if you want to look up where Wild Bill was born, it's, uh -huh. it's back. It's back in the area where my family's from. So, okay. uh, and we've been around a lot. You know, in terms of when we showed up, my family showed up before a lot of other people showed up back in the 1860s. So, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> well, someday I'll tell you about my, Mary's uh, neighbor's connection with Babyface Nelson. So put that okay. on your list, your list of things to ask me about. But, I, uh, I'll put it on right now. Babyface Nelson. Yeah, do that. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy hearing about Wild Bill Hickok. Uh, Who is the guy I'm thinking of then? Uh, he was the boyfriend of Big Nose Kate for a while, spent a lot of time, not Wyatt Earp, but another, another guy. Yeah, I know you're, it, yeah, I know who you're talking about. It's, uh, the, it's, it's all related to the dead man's hand because sure. that, that's, that's exactly that's the, right. That's Aces the hand he had. Yeah, Aces that's and the eights. hand he had. Well, uh, we'll think of that. <laughs> <laughs> enough enough free association for today i had a few little <laughs> medicare things that we probably ought to talk oh, about oh 
Okay, all right. Let's let's <laughs> move on to the real business at hand. Reluctantly, uh, we agree to move on to Medicare content for today. I've got a few little things. I was doing some desk cleaning, and I just wanted to mention a couple of things before I threw them away. Uh, three different things. First of all, I have an article that says the CDC, and that is the government agency that insists that everybody wear masks from now until the end of time even if you're outside by yourself in a giant cornfield you better wear a mask or else you're endangering somebody else and boy fauci and the cdc really made life difficult for americans who had businesses and uh, uh during the uh, panic the covid panic uh well the cdc announced that some nursing homes and hospitals no longer, no longer need to require universal masking. And if you go on to read this, it's uh, like 25% of the country. Now it's gone from mandatory masking to recommended masking. So they're never going to give up on their mask fetishes. But uh, they're saying that in some areas where there is a small incidence of Wuhan flu, then uh, the hospitals and nursing homes aren't as... Uh, uh, aren't under the thumb to uh, mask everybody up constantly as they have been in the past. Another little item, I found out this uh, headline, and I who knows whether you can believe this kind of stuff or not, eating kale. Now, kale is not something I've ever eaten before, but I know it's health nuts love the stuff. It's uh, seaweed, I believe, but maybe I'm wrong about that. But eating kale makes babies scowl in utero a study found it says a surprising study reported in, uh, at nbc news shows how food eaten during pregnancy makes fetuses respond to flavors carrots lead to smiles but kale doesn't a separate report at usa today covers a study suggesting that snacking on apples is better for mental health than potato chips I don't know anything about mental health, as most people that know me would uh, attest. But uh, to have a baby uh, cringe, a scowl, uh, when his mother is eating kale is uh, pretty weird. So I thought that was an interesting little medical tidbit. And finally, a, this is more of a political tidbit. I got a headline here from the family health, the Kaiser Family Health News, I think it is. Insurers say that Medicare Advantage saves money. Experts say no. So what do you believe? Insurers say Medicare Advantage saves money, but experts say no, that's not true. Well, then I found out that uh, the story they're quoting a portion of here is put on the internet by a company that won't give me the whole story unless I sign up for a paid subscription to their stupid website. And I decided not to pay them any money. And so I went to the horse's mouth. They quote a study done by AHIP, America's Health Insurance Plan. So I went to the AHIP website and I found exactly the opposite story that, um, uh, the studies show that Medicare Advantage plans save money over regular Medicare. And I think I've always known that to be true, that the government actually forks over a smaller amount of dough 
for each person that's enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan. When you sign up for a Medicare Advantage plan, they take away Medicare and give you an insurance company concoction with a whole bunch of rules and um, uh, a, a network of doctors and hospitals that may or may not have your doctor and your hospital in it and uh, all kinds of restrictions and big, big deductibles and out-of-pocket costs. That's instead of Medicare. So the government wants Medicare Advantage plans to proliferate because we're using fewer taxpayer dollars and uh, letting the insurance companies take the heat if somebody is not happy with their coverage. So here I've got the Kaiser Health or Family Health saying that Medicare Advantage does not save money, and I've got uh, AHIP saying that Medicare Advantage does save money. I think it's all political. depends on your opinion about whether you like Medicare Advantage plans or don't. I don't like them because my clients won't have the freedom of choice that they enjoy with Medicare supplement plans. Other people don't like Medicare Advantage because they're whacked out lefties that think that insurance companies should all die and uh, go to hell. So I can't explain that, but it was a dichotomy that caught my eye. Now, the real reason we got together today, I mean, I could have slept in and, and um, I would have been happy uh, waking up about noon saying, oh boy, it's another beautiful sunny day in Arizona. But we have some important mail to attend to. Yesterday, I received mail from my prescription drug plan my PDP. Now, everybody in the country who that has a PDP or a Medicare Advantage plan is going to get one of these documents. The name of the document is uh, ANOC, ANOC, A-N-O-C, Annual Notice of Change. And uh, this one is about 20 pages long, plus it has a four-page insert. So it is uh, just chock full of experience important, exciting information. Now, what happens here is that I went through the process on my computer to choose the best Medicare prescription drug plan for me. And I, uh, cause I take a bunch of drugs and I uh, put them all in just as I did in episode 387. We're at episode 399 right now. So uh, how many, uh, Days ago was that several weeks ago we did episode 387. You can go back on uh, Podbean or whatever your your uh, hosting uh, your podcast hosting uh, program is. Find episode 387. I went through all the steps I do to pick the best uh, prescription drug plan for a person, and the uh, big factors are what drugs do you take, and where do you like to get your prescriptions filled. Uh, do you like to do a mail order or do you like to go to the store? If so, what stores do you like to go to? And because uh, different prescription drug plans have different sweetheart arrangements with different chains of drug stores. And so that tells the computer all the facts it needs to tell me which is the cheapest prescription drug plan for you. Now, the the salient fact of prescription drug plans and Medicare Advantage plans is that they don't have to stay the same. The insurance company can change the important parameters of the plan anytime it wants to. Normally, it wouldn't do it because it's not responsible to, to uh, uh, screw over your, your members, you know, your clients in the middle of the year when they can't do anything about it. And that's true that they cannot do anything about major changes um, 
few episodes ago, I read you some contract disputes that were going on in uh, various plans in Texas, where all of a sudden, uh, various people's doctors were going to be leaving the networks, and they couldn't do a thing about it until the end of the year, until AEP. So in this case, speaking specifically about Medicare prescription drug plans, out of uh, there are about 23 drug plans available in every location, and they range in cost from very low to very high, and they each have a different list of drugs that they handle, which is a formulary. And so what you're looking for in this uh, annual notice of change that the government forces them to put out every year is you're looking for a couple of different things. First of all, will the cost of your plan change significantly? And secondly, will the drugs that your plan covers change significantly? And thirdly, is there anything else about your plan that's going to change significantly? Like maybe they used to have a sweetheart deal with Walgreens, but that deal fell apart, and now they have a sweetheart deal with, say, CVS or some other chain of drugstores. You're looking for those kinds of facts. And you have a couple of choices here. You can either paw through this massive uh, 20-page document full of legalese. Uh, it's the kind of thing that typically people throw away once they see it in the mail. Uh, it is. Uh, it certainly could qualify as junk mail, no doubt about that. But if you open it up and look through it, you're going to find a few interesting things. One of which is uh, uh, page after page of foreign language and Chinese and uh, you know Mandarin and uh, Tagalog and uh, Cantonese, Vietnamese and French, and German, and Russian. There was a time when people came to the United States and they were anxious to learn English so that they could take their place in our economy and prosper and uh, grab a piece of the uh, American dream. And the first step in that was learning how to speak English. But now we make it so they don't ever have to learn how to speak English by uh, translating all government documents into whatever foreign language these people speak when they get off the boat or when they walk across the border. So that's something that's irritating and it's costly. All of us that have a Medicare prescription drug plan are paying the cost for all these documents to be translated into these languages, maybe spoken by eight people in your whole state. <laughs> I mean, I got to tell you, some of these languages I never heard of. And uh, it is just incredible the amount of money we spend uh, for instance, Hawaiian. Let me ask you this. Is there possibly a Hawaiian that was not born in, that was born in Hawaii before it became a state uh, and then had to learn English and it's, is having a difficult time with it? There is a big paragraph here in Hawaiian telling you where to go to get a Hawaiian translation. There's something called I-L-O-C-A-N-O, Ilcano. I have no idea what that is. And there's a whole paragraph in that. There's a paragraph in Samoan. How long have we owned American Samoa? At least uh, since before my birth. So this is uh, just cost involved that the federal government forces all of us other uh, uh, Medicare participants to pay for. And I don't like it at all. In any event, so we've got this massive document and it says on page seven, my particular uh, document says changes 
to benefits and costs for next year. So there is a table of contents that's going to help me. Uh, and it says on page seven, when I go look at that, that my annual premium, which is $11.70 a month this year, is going down to $8.10 a month. Okay, finally, there is reason for joy in uh, the Jones house because we're going to be spending less on the uh, uh, cost of my prescription drug plan. However, um, will they be changing the drugs? Will there be changes to the pharmacy network? That's also on page seven. And it's impossible for me to tell without sitting down and reading all of this stuff. It sounds to me just by skimming it, that we're not going to be having many changes. So I believe that I'm going to be okay, but what I really will do is I will follow the procedure that I outlined in episode 387 of this podcast. I'll go back to the Medicare website, and I will put in my drugs and dosages. I will put in the stores where I like to send my my minions to um, have the prescriptions filled, and then the uh, method I use will tell me which out of the 23 plans available to me is going to be the cheapest for me. The cheapest plan is always the best plan because uh, there is no reason to buy a plan that's more expensive than the very cheapest one that covers all of your drugs at the lowest possible cost. Sometimes people have said, why don't I get a better plan, a more expensive plan, just in case something happens to me and I have to start taking more expensive drugs down the road? Well, there are two answers, two reasons why that is um, a fallacy. One is that you can't predict what drugs you're going to be taking if this event occurs at some point in the future. What are you going to get? What kind of disease are you going to get that you need to have a more expensive drug plan to cover more expensive drugs. Secondly, um, the cost of a drug plan being very low is indicative of the fact that they cover all of the drugs you're currently taking now. And um, if you were to buy a more expensive plan, you'd not necessarily have the same kind of coverage. Your co-pays co and everything would be different, and it might be that the more expensive plan doesn't cover your particular drug. So the cheapest drug plan, based on the uh, steps that I outline in episode 387, is always going to be the best drug plan for you. So if you want to, go back, listen to 387, take some notes, and follow those steps. But don't do it until... October 15th, because that is when AEP starts and your ANOC, your annual notice of change, really kicks in then because that's when all of the uh, computer programs are supposed to be loaded with the, the drug costs and the premium costs for 2023. So if you do the computer comparison after October 15th, you're going to have an uh, an excellent, accurate picture, or you should have anyway, of what the uh, prescription drug plan costs for next year are going to be. And then you'll know whether to get a hold of your agent and say, hey, uh, this other drug plan turns out to be a lot cheaper than the one I've got, so I want to switch. And your agent then can sign you up for whatever drug plan you find out is the best deal for you. So that's uh, what you're looking for is ANOC, Annual Notice of Change. It's going to show up in your mail. Pretty exciting day, huh, Randy? Oh, I, I totally agree. I'm I'm looking for it right now. 
<laughs> I don't think he's, I think he's pulling your legs, your collective legs, ladies and gentlemen. But well, it's, I have you know, several corrections I need to own up to here. Oh boy. Uh, we have, we have one. I mean, you were, you were right. Uh, Wild Bill was the guy that did have aces and eights and was oh, okay. killed in, in Deadwood, cool. South Dakota. Cool. Excellent. Uh, he, yeah, he was uh, sitting with his back to the door, which he never liked to do for obvious yeah. reasons. But right. Yes, his uh, he was actually killed in Deadwood, South Dakota on August the 2nd of 1876. And this, I mean, this is just incredible for me to believe. How how old was he when he died? Oh, boy, I bet he was younger than we think. Was he maybe in his early 30s? He was 39 years old. Okay, late 30s. Um, yeah. But I've been to Deadwood. I, I don't know that I went in that saloon, but um, I have been to Deadwood, and they're making a fortune on their Western heritage and, you know, Wild Bill Hickok death uh, uh, lore and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Now the the mistake I made was I led the audience to believe that my family had a connection with Wild Bill Hickok. He okay. did. I did not. It was <laughs> Buffalo Bill that we had. We had. It was too many bills around it, you know, in those days. So anyway, ultimately, Buffalo Bill was born in Leclaire, Iowa. So that is the one that we had a connection with back in the day. Was was Buffalo Bill. Okay, I hate to think about Buffalo Bill's poopy diapers, but as you know, yeah. we spent a lot of time driving around the country uh, in old Corvettes, old people in old Corvettes. One of the trips, and I'm pretty proud of this one because my friend Roy and I organized the trip, we left from the headwaters of the Mississippi in Lake Itasca, Minnesota, and we stayed for two nights in LeClaire, Iowa, so that we could see all the sites there, and one of them was the Buffalo Bill Museum, and... uh we spent a lot of time there because it was a rainy day, as I recall. And the Buffalo Bill Museum had about maybe three items in it that had anything at all to do with Buffalo Bill. And the rest <laughs> of it was just all kinds of, you know, period correct stuff like old telephones yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, did it have a picture of my long distant female relative changing his diaper? It actually showed her in the, the act of changing his poopy diapers. So, yes. All right. Yes. She was prominently displayed in the Buffalo Bill Museum in LeClaire, Iowa. Well, that is good to know. I'm I'm glad that the story I heard in my family history lore was correct, because so many of them aren't. We were also joined by the friend of one of the people. I mean, we had like eight or nine or ten couples in Corvettes, and one of them said, hey, my friend's going to join us and drive along for a couple of days. Doesn't have a Corvette, but he he used to, and so uh, uh, any friend of mine should be a friend of everybody. So the guy shows up, (laughs) and he's kind of like an Elvis impersonator. Uh, (laughs) He didn't really impersonate Elvis, but every time we went to a restaurant and he and his girlfriend or he and his wife were with us, it was always, um, sir, may I um, take your order now? And I want turtle soup and make it snappy. That was his answer to every every waitress in every restaurant that uh, he was with us for. Okay. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, we have we have definitely heard the crickets chirp. You may have missed it, but we definitely did. So we need to, you know, close up shop uh, after all of our history lessons on Wild Bill Hickok and Buffalo Bill and all the things they did. 
The other thing I wanted to mention, you've already talked about your books. You've already talked about all that. But the other thing I want to mention is thank you so much for joining us. You could have been 150 different places, and you weren't. You were with us spending some time listening to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, and we certainly appreciate it. You have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma, and now residing in Cave Creek, Arizona, in the high mountains behind Cave Creek. We are certainly under the tree line, so I think we can live without an oxygen mask. Boy, every every episode I cringe waiting for the uh, altitude to be announced. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye-bye.